Well, thank you so very much for being here today. This is the last sermon in my series all about Peter. Hopefully you've caught most of that. Uh, If you haven't, I'll try and get you up to speed. But we're calling this whole series More Human Than Human. And the reason that we're calling it that is because Peter was just this guy who was more human than human. He lived life more intensely and with more purpose than most people. And at the end of the day, he was this flawed, ordinary, normal human guy, okay? And so that's really why we're calling it more human than human. And, and through this whole series, what I've hoped to teach you and to show you is that God can use ordinary, flawed, normal people like Peter and like me and like you. So we don't ever have to think God can't use me because God specializes in using ordinary and flawed People. And so that's where we've been. But we've been there for three weeks. In fact, last week, I shared with you the time when Peter denied Jesus three times. And it seemed like Peter couldn't really get through that. He didn't, he didn't know in his heart if he had what it took to follow Jesus after he had denied him three times. And what I tried to show you last week was that Jesus came alongside him and helped him move through his sin and move past it, leave it behind, and move forward with the Lord. And I encouraged you to do the same. Leave your past in the past. If you've made mistakes If you've sinned against God, and I know that you have, and I know that you've made mistakes, and I know that you've failed, if there's one thing we could see from the message last week is that Jesus wants us to move past that, leave it in the past, and move forward with him. The week before, I shared with you an amazing account of Peter walking on the water. And Peter walked on the water because he had faith without doubt. And I encourage you to also have faith without doubt. In fact, when Peter let some doubt creep into his faith, that's when he began to sink. And that's when Jesus grabbed him and he pulled him up. And then Peter, we saw, had faith without doubt again. All right. And so our, what we can learn from that is that you and I need to have faith in Jesus, faith without doubt. And when we do that, sometimes what we'll find in our lives is that we will let doubt creep in. So I encourage you, the next time that doubt creeps into your faith, look at who Jesus is and what he's done, what he's done in your life, what he's done in scripture, and that will help get that doubt out of the way. And we started this series uh, three weeks ago, three Sundays ago, and we looked at when Peter met Jesus, and then we also looked at when Jesus called Peter to follow him. And my encouragement to you was just to follow Jesus like Peter followed Jesus. He left everything and he followed Jesus. And actually, it's in that sermon, all right, when I was talking about Jesus calling Peter, that actually is going to springboard us into today's message because Jesus said something to Peter then that will help us understand what is going on today in today's text. And we'll be in Acts 2. You don't have to go there now if you don't want, uh, because I'm going to be talking for a little bit, all right? Here's, let me kind of set the scene for you for what happened uh, in that very first time that Jesus called Peter, all right? Peter had fished all night. Jesus was teaching on the shore. Peter was mending his nets and washing them and getting them ready. And uh, Jesus gets in Peter's boat and he pushes, he has Peter push him out a little bit from the crowd that's listening to Jesus' teaching. And 
it's, it's then that uh, Jesus tells Peter, Peter, why don't you let down your nets for a catch? And Peter's thinking, I've fished all night and I've caught nothing. This is not the time to fish. And he does it anyway because he knows that the Lord has authority over him. And so he, he does it. And when he casts the net out, it fills with fish. So full that the nets begin to break. All right? He can't pull it in. He has to call all of his other fishermen buddies to help get in the hall. It fills two boats full of fish. So They're so weighted down by all these fish that the water begins to come in and the boats begin to sink a little bit. That was the miraculous catch. And that's when Peter says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. I'm sinful and you are not. And then Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be a fisher of men, all right? So today what we're going to talk about is Peter's greatest catch, all right? And Peter's greatest catch wasn't that day of the miraculous catch, all right? It wasn't the fish. In fact, it wasn't even when, Pe- when, Jesus, was reca- sorry, when Jesus recalled Peter. And there was another miraculous catch, 153 fish in that one. That wasn't Peter's greatest catch. Peter's greatest catch was when he was a fisher of men. And it happens in Acts 2. Here's what I want uh, you to see before we get in to Acts 2. I want you to know that the context of where we're going to be today is after Jesus has already died, he has already resurrected, and he's already ascended to the Lord, all right? He is gone, but he's told his disciples, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will come. I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. So Jesus is leaving, but he's not going to leave the disciples high and dry without anyone to lead and guide them. In fact, he's going to send his own spirit. So the Holy Spirit is going to come to the disciples in Jerusalem, and all they have to do is wait. And when the Holy Spirit came, he came with power. In fact, the room in which they were in had this sound, okay, of rushing wind. Just think of hurricane force winds, the sound of that in this room. And then something like fire appears and it begins to split up and, and little flames of what was kind of like fire is resting above each and every one of the disciples. And in that moment, those disciples, they start speaking in other languages, all right? Known languages, but languages that perhaps they didn't know before. In fact, they didn't know them before. And it's at this time when a crowd starts to gather. And this crowd starts to gather because they heard this huge rushing hurricane-like winds, and they saw the flames, and they heard the disciples as they were all speaking in other languages and a crowd gathers. And when I say a crowd, I don't want you to think like a few hundred. I want you to think thousands of people begin to gather. And that's when Peter, our hero, stands up. And Peter says to all the people, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that all these guys are drunk. Now that is actually in scripture. I didn't just make that up. Peter says, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that these guys are drunk. They're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning. What you're witnessing right now is a fulfillment from the prophet Joel in your holy scriptures. Joel said that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit upon all mankind. And Peter says, you've just witnessed that. Right now, you're seeing God pouring out his spirit on mankind. And then Peter starts preaching Jesus. 
he starts preaching the one that he followed three years earlier. He starts preaching the one who made the miraculous catch. He starts preaching the one who he walked on the water with. Peter starts preaching Jesus, the one who he had denied three times. Peter starts preaching Jesus, the one who had restored him and recalled him. And to all of these people, Peter is going to give an incredible message about who Jesus is and what he did. But here's what I want you to see before we get into that, that we can show our commitment to Christ and the gospel by sharing Christ and the gospel. All right? If you and I want to show how much we're committed to Jesus Christ and his message, the gospel. The gospel message is that Jesus came to reconcile us to God, that he died in our place, forgiving our sins, making us a way to be reconciled with God. That's the gospel. If we want to show our commitment to Jesus and his message, the gospel, then we can share Jesus and share the gospel. And that's what Peter ends up doing right now. Now, I, uh, I've shared the gospel a lot of times in my life. Uh, one of the most memorable times was when I was in Mexico on a 10-day short-term mission trip. And I had been sharing the gospel in English with these people, but I had a translator. And so I was listening to this translator day after day. I didn't know Spanish. I didn't know anything about the language or anything like that. But now I've heard him translate me so many times. I'm starting to pick it up. And I'm like, I'm just going to share in Spanish with somebody soon. And so it happens that uh, a taxi driver comes to take us to dinner. And I was like, I'm going to start sharing the gospel with this guy. All right, and so that's exactly what I do. I start to get to know him, what's his name, and, and things like that. And I'm like, I know how to do this. I can do it. I know the word for Jesus. It's Jesus. Boom. Got it. Done. All right? I know the word for he died. It's murió. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm just going to go for it. So I, I look that cab driver in the eye, and he's trying to pay attention to the road and drive, but I'm like trying to distract him to Jesus. That's more important. And I say to him, I say, Jesus murió por tu pescado. All right, now, if you don't know Spanish, you know that I have made a very huge mistake. Uh, if you don't know Spanish, the word pescado is fish. The word sin is pecado. And I had told this cab driver as I looked into his eyes, Jesus died for your fish. Now, I don't know where that guy is now or what he's doing, but I know that if he had a pet fish, that pet fish is in glory today, all right? Another time that I shared the gospel was actually the first time that I shared it in Argentina. I had gone through seminary. I'd gone through training to be a missionary. I'd gone through language school. In theory, I was ready to share the gospel with these people. So I go out with this young pastor, awesome guy, and this guy shares the gospel like I've never heard before. And I am just in awe. My, my, my chin is just on the floor and it, my jaw has dropped because of the way that this guy was able to communicate God's word to these people. And the people understood. And then we left that house and he says, te toca. That means it's your turn. And I was like, okay, here we go. And I stumbled through the gospel. It was a train wreck. I had just spent three years studying Jesus and the gospel, a year studying Spanish, and I could not share the gospel in a way that these people could understand. And I left that house that day, 
And I said, that will never happen to me again. I will always share the gospel as clearly as I can so that the people don't leave scratching their heads. They leave understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And so I made it my life's mission. I literally went back to my house and I began to study how is the best way to share the gospel here. I stole ideas from that guy because he was so good. And I crafted a way that I could share the gospel in Argentina in a way that they could understand and connect with. Now, Peter is about to stand up and he is about to deliver the message of a lifetime, telling all of the people who God is and what he's done. And he's doing this for one reason. He wants them to be followers of Jesus. He wants them, each and every single one of them, to give their lives to him. What I want to do is uh, ask you to go to Acts 2 and verse 22. I'm going to read it. Up here, if you have your scripture, your, uh, you have your phone or something, you can read it there. Men of Israel, Peter stands up and says, Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who you crucified. Can you imagine telling thousands and thousands of people that they were responsible for killing the Messiah. That's exactly what Peter did. Here's what I want you to see in this passage, that Peter talked about who Jesus was and what he did. He just gets up and he starts talking about Jesus. Now, this is the same Jesus he's walked with for three years. It's not like he has to think very hard of all the things that Jesus has done. And it's not like he has to think very hard about who Jesus is. Jesus was the forgiver of Peter. Jesus was the one that helped Peter move through his failure. And so Peter just starts sharing who Jesus was and what he's done. And he starts with the miracles, all right? He says, Jesus did many signs, wonders, and miracles. And the reason that he did this was actually God doing it through him to validate Jesus's ministry. And I don't know if Peter went into all of the different miracles that Jesus had done. Jesus had raised people from the dead, all right? Jesus had healed the blind. He had made lame people walk. He had done so many things to attest to the fact that he was the son of God. He had walked on water. He was the one that produced the miraculous catch. And Peter is sharing all of this. And he's saying, listen, God did all of this through Jesus so that you would realize who Jesus was, that he's the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's the one anointed by God to come and bring God's kingdom here to earth. And he starts there with the miracles and every single miracle that Jesus did, God was validating Jesus and his ministry through those miracles. The next thing that that Peter says is he actually begins to talk about the death and the resurrection 
of Jesus. And this is where it gets kind of complicated because he's sharing with thousands of people and he wants those thousands of people to know who was responsible for the death and the resurrection of Jesus. All right, so what we're gonna do, I'm gonna kind of look at this piece by piece, but we're gonna start with the resurrection and we're gonna move backwards. So after Jesus was in the tomb, on the third day, God powerfully raised Jesus from the dead. God was the one who gave Jesus' body life again. Peter says death could not hold him, but it was God's power that raised Jesus back to life, that resurrected the Savior, all right? God is the one who did that, and he wanted everybody there, those thousands of people, to know that God did that. Let's take one step back. The crucifixion. Peter wanted everyone to know that the Romans or the Gentiles were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. In fact, they were the instrument of the crucifixion. They are the ones that had the cross. They are the ones that laid Jesus upon that cross. They're the ones that nailed Jesus to that cross. They're the ones that stood the cross up. They are the ones that crucified Jesus. But then who was responsible for getting Jesus to them? And Peter says, there's somebody else involved, and it was all of the Jews. So if we take a step back, how did Jesus get into the hands of the Romans to be crucified so that God could raise him up? Peter says, it was the Jews. They were responsible for Jesus' death, and the Romans were the instrument of Jesus' death, and God is the one who raised him up. Can you imagine speaking to thousands and thousands of Jews and telling them you're responsible for killing the Messiah, the one that you've waited for for centuries? He came, and you shouted, crucify him. And you gave him into the hands of the Romans. And the Romans crucified him. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. Then Peter actually goes a little further back. In fact, he goes a lot further back. Why did the Jews hand him over? Why did the Romans kill him? Why did Jesus, why did God resurrect him? And Peter says it was all based on the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. God planned the crucifixion. Now, if you've never heard that before, that's a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to even talk about, but that's exactly what happened. Though the Jews did have a part in it, though the Romans, the Gentiles did also have a part in it, they had no other motive except to kill him. God, in his infinite plan, was going to save the world through Jesus. So here's the next thing that I want you to see. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection were God's sovereign plan. All right? From the beginning. You know why? Because God looked at us and he says, they've separated themselves from me. And I love them so much that I'm going to save them. Jesus actually said this very early in his ministry. It's in John 3, 16 and 17. I'm going to read it here for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That sounds like a plan, right? God so loved mankind that he was determined to send his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus 
said that to Nicodemus about himself and about God's plan. God has planned this all along. And he would use the evil deeds of the Jews, he would use the evil deeds of the Romans to, comp- to accomplish his holy purpose. Because without Jesus' death on the cross, you and I would have no hope in our lives, no hope to ever be reconciled with God. And because God so loved us, he gave his son for us. It was the only way that he could do it. Right now, I want to read verses 37 through 41. Now, when they heard this, all right, those thousands of people, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort and encourage them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Here's the next thing that I want you to see, is that 3,000 people responded to Peter's message that day. 3,000 people heard Peter's sermon. Actually, most likely, a lot more heard it, but 3,000 responded. In fact, when Peter was saying, it was you, it was you who handed over the Messiah, it was you who crucified him, When he was saying that, all of these people began to hurt. They began to see that the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting hundreds and thousands of years for, they had rejected. The very one that they were waiting for, they end up rejecting. Not only did they reject him, they shouted, crucify him. And he was crucified. And he died. And then they heard that God raised him from the dead. And at that moment, those 3,000 people decide to put their faith in Jesus. They repent towards God and they were baptized and they were saved. What an amazing, amazing thing. And Peter finally realizes what Jesus meant that day that he called him. You will be a fisher of men. The whole miraculous catch was just like a quick lesson of what Peter was going to do with men in the future. He was going to be bringing men, people, by the boatloads into the kingdom of heaven. What an amazing thing to see Peter finally living up to his title, the fisher of men. And finally, probably he understood it when he saw 3,000 people accept Christ that day. At this time, there was probably 120 believers Okay, after Peter's sermon, there's 3,120 believers. Here's the next thing that I want you to see, is that Peter lived out his new name. Do you remember when Peter met Jesus and Jesus says, you're going to be Simon, you're not going to be Simon, the son of John anymore. You're going to be called Peter, Petros. It means the rock. Finally, Peter is the rock. He's the one who has faith. He is immovable in his faith. God has proven him foundational in starting the church. 
Peter is finally the solid man that God had called him to be. And he is actually then becomes the central figure in the early church. Everybody went to Peter until Paul came along. And then Peter took a back seat. But Jesus used Peter in an incredible, incredible way. And this was just the start for Peter. He would continue raking people in to the kingdom of God, sharing with them who Christ was and what he did so that they would accept him. And it happened time after time after time again. Peter was finally fully committed to Christ and to the gospel. So as we've talked about all of this, I'm, it kind of brings me to a few questions that I want you to think about. You, where you are in your lives right now. All right? The first question that I have is, are you fully committed to Christ and the gospel? Are you fully committed to Christ and the gospel? Probably some of you could answer that and say, absolutely, I am. Probably someone in a room like this could say, I'm not, for one reason or another. Maybe you started following Jesus and it's just kind of trickled and it is what it is now. Maybe somebody in here has never committed their lives to Christ. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know how you answer that question for you, but you need to respond to Jesus how he wants you to. After hearing Peter's message about Jesus and the gospel, you can also be fully committed to Jesus and the gospel. I know you've probably had some hiccups along the way, just like Peter did, right? If there's one thing we've learned, Peter had some major hiccups in his faith and in following Jesus, but he was able to move past those. He was able to get past those and he was able to move forward in Christ and do every single thing that Christ had for him to do. So he finally landed, all right? He had his hiccups, but he finally landed in full commitment to Jesus. So have you had those hiccups in your life? Where have you landed if you have? Are you stuck and you're letting your sin drag along behind you so that you can't be used by God? Or are you going to land where Peter landed, with full commitment to Christ and his gospel? Here's my next question. Do you talk about who Jesus is and what he's done? Peter did. Peter actually showed his commitment to Christ and the gospel by sharing Christ and the gospel. I would hope that each one of us in this room right now would say, this is what I want to do. Because I'm committed to Christ and the gospel, I'm going to begin to share Christ and the gospel. You can start with your neighbor. Some of you can start with your spouse. Some of you can start with your children. Some of you can start with your coworkers. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't have to be a, a crowd of thousands like Peter had that day. In fact, you could just share Jesus one-on-one -on -one with whoever needs to hear about him. And you have to share him a little differently with different people. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Some people can hear the gospel one way. Other people might need a different way to hear the gospel. Some people might be a little reluctant. You might have to gain an audience with them. They might have to warm up to you and then warm up to the gospel before they're ready to accept Christ. Some people you'll just start talking to and God has them at this place where they're ready to accept Christ in that 
moment. But whatever you do, show your commitment to Christ and the gospel by sharing Christ and the gospel. Here's the last thing that I want you to see today. Will you let your ordinary and flawed, will you let ordinary and flawed Peter lead you closer to the Lord? Through this whole series, we've seen that God can use ordinary, flawed people. Will you let Peter lead you closer to the Lord? Will you see the way that he followed Jesus and determine in your heart to follow Jesus the same? Will you look at Peter's faith and will you see Peter's faith and let that sink into your heart and say, this is the kind of faith, faith without doubt, that I need in Jesus? Can you look at Peter's failure and say, I want to follow Peter's example and get past my sin and my failure, those things that have been dragging me down and stopping me from moving forward with the Lord. And ultimately, look at Peter's message, this wonderful message, 50 days after the resurrection on Pentecost, when Peter shared who Jesus was and what he had done, and those 3,000 people accepted him. I'm not sure exactly where you are in your life and how you need to respond, but I know that you should be fully committed to Jesus. I know that you should share Christ and share the gospel with others. And I know that God can use you in this world because I know that God uses flawed, ordinary men like me. If you want to accept Christ for the very first time today and commit yourself to him, you can do that with one of the pastors up here. If you just need somebody to pray with, we'll actually have women up here as well. Women, if you want to pray with a woman, a woman, you can also do that. Whatever the decision that Jesus is leading you to make today, I hope that you would respond. Maybe it's just you saying, Lord, I need to share you more with more people. Or I need to fully commit myself to you because I've been straddling the fence for so long. Whatever the Lord is leading you to do, you'll have pastors and a few women up here that you can talk to about those decisions that you want to make. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so very much for Jesus. We thank you for what he did for us. And we thank you for who he was, who he is still today. God, help us to be people who are fully committed to Jesus and to the gospel. God, would you help us in our lives move past our failures? Would you help us come to you and respond to you in whichever way we need to, even if we need to just join the church? Would you help us do that? God, lead us, continue leading us with your Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was poured out on all of those men so long ago. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.